0: Welcome to Screen Cleaning. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And each and every week, we bring you the very best in entertainment. We like to shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in the entertainment industry. And every week, we start off by giving you the very best in entertainment news. Because so much of the news in entertainment can be bogged
1: down. We want to shine a spotlight on the good.
0: Right. We don't care who's engaged or who is challenging whom to a fight on Twitter Uh, Justin Bieber, Tom Cruise. I mean, sometimes we care about that. It's kind of funny. When
1: the fun part about (laughs) Brett Spiner and Dick Van Dyke come in.
0: Yeah, that was the better part of the story. Anyway, you can hear more of that on a previous episode, and you can find all of our episodes on byuradio.org, or you can download the podcast and catch all of the episodes we've ever done. Wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So let's start off with the news, and there is a ton of really good news Cole, even some that you're going to be super psyched about. Oh, boy. But first of all, Paul Rudd. What do you think of—when when I say Paul Rudd, what's the first thing that comes to mind, Cole? Pure joy. Pure joy. Okay. The best. Uh, no I, one
1: has any complaints with Paul Rudd.
0: Now, when I say Ghostbusters, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, I mean— Not Paul Rudd. (laughs) Well, start thinking about Paul Rudd in Ghostbusters because he is going to be in Ghostbusters 2020. All right. Yeah. So uh, we're also going to have Finn Wolfhard, who has just been in everything with Stranger Things and It. Donned a,
1: a little Ghostbusters costume himself in Stranger
0: Things. Right. Right. So, and I... I think there's even going to be room for Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and who knows? Maybe Annie Potts and Sigourney Weaver. Anything is is up in the air now. But, but uh, one thing else that we know is we won't have Ivan Reitman coming back to direct Ghostbusters. He did direct parts one and two. Mm-hmm. But is it good enough that his son is going to be directing this iteration of Ghostbusters? I think so. Especially when you consider... I mean, this is an awards-caliber director that's going to be helming this. He did Juno, he did Thank You for Smoking, he did Up in the Air, all movies that were heavily praised and nominated for all sorts of awards. Tully so,
1: was one of my favorite movies from last year.
0: Yeah. Now, we'll see if he can translate that over into box office success, especially when maybe people are feeling a little bit Ghostbusters fatigue. However, Paul Red. No one can complain. You can't complain about Paul Redd in a Ghostbusters movie. Uh, Here's something that uh, you, I don't know, are you a fan of Family Matters, Cole? So I'll tell you a story. When I
1: was cleaning my room after coming back from traveling, (laughs) um, I had a suitcase in the middle of my room for like four days before I decided to unpack it. I pulled up a Spotify playlist of TV theme songs, because that's the kind of stuff that I listen to in the background when I'm doing menial labor, and... uh, I was trying to recognize the themes as they came, and Family Matters was one that I was surprised that I remembered because I've only seen really like two or three episodes ever.
0: Really? That's surprising. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of Family Matters, the theme song, and all I can think of is,
1: whatever happened to
0: predictability?
1: I also got all of the family
0: confused for
1: it for a couple times. Okay,
0: so how does the Family Matters theme song go?
1: I'll uh, spare you my singing and
0: just play it for you. Yeah, that kind of sounds familiar. You know, they all kind of blend together. Full house, family matters, step by step. Although I do remember step by step and they're at the theme park, which I think it's basically Magic Mountain maybe. Step by step, day by day. Make it happen. Okay, that was bad. But uh, my claim to fame with Step by Step, Cole, is that the oldest brother, J.T., not the cousin, not the weird uh, surfer dude cousin, but the oldest brother, J.T., Mm -hmm. whom all the ladies liked, by the way. Of course. Brandon Call is that actor's name. He is related to my mother. My mother's maiden name is Call, and they're cousins. Ah. So... That's nice. I think she saw him at a funeral one Two time. degrees
1: of separation for yeah. Jeff and Step by Step.
0: <laughs> I just realized, Cole, I never gave you the Family Matters piece of news. We got we got on that little okay. theme
1: song tangent. So it's all right. So we've
0: established that you've only seen two or three episodes of Family Matters. I, on the other hand, saw so many of the episodes. I loved – I think my personal favorite is when uh, Carl and Steve uh, competed in an episode where they went to American Gladiators. American Gladiators was a big part of my childhood. I got to go to a live taping of American Gladiators. Whoa. So I was a huge fan of that episode. Um, But the one thing that even people like me remember from Family
1: Matters is the kid Urkel. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: Did I do that?
0: Yeah. Uh, And Steve, go home. Um, I don't remember watching a ton of Scooby-Doo. I didn't see either of the movies. But I do remember the stereotypical... You know, uh, meet up episode? No, the stereotypical um, reveal where you know they pull off the mask and it's like, oh, it's old man, it's old man Withers from the the haunted amusement park. Yes, and I would have gotten away with the two if it weren't for you meddling kids. Right? They're always meddling for some reason. That was the adjective. Uh, um, But what do you think of when I say Steve Urkel and? Scooby Doo. I picture one of those meetup episodes because they're in the (laughs) 80s and
1: 90s. Scooby Doo was crossing over with just about everyone.
0: They're doing a meetup with Urkel, and Jaleel White, who played Urkel, tweeted out something to the effect of stepped into the booth to reprise Urkel. And he basically said he nailed it and he he could still do the character like he could all those years ago, which I think is pretty cool.
1: My personal favorite recent Scooby-Doo meetup is whenever they did a Supernatural episode, because when you have 104 seasons of Supernatural, you start, you know, going through all the ideas.
0: Yeah. So that's something I could get behind but I know, Cole, that you are going to be ecstatic about this piece of news. Okay. Because I know how you feel about Sesame Street. I know how everybody everybody feels great about Sesame Street. Dun, Do you have a dun, favorite dun, Sesame ba, dun, Street ba, dun, character?
1: Ba, ba, ba. Bert and Ernie.
0: Really? Bert and Ernie? Absolutely.
1: Their little their dynamic was always a pleasure to see.
0: Okay. I think I always loved the Count and maybe uh Oscar the Grouch.
1: Oscar is a pretty common one.
0: Yeah. Have you ever seen a Sesame Street movie? There have been a couple of them. No. Okay.
1: I mean, I've what I did see is like the man behind the Big Bird oh, documentary. Oh, yeah, the documentary. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So there is going to be a Sesame Street movie. It's not going to be a documentary. Okay. And it'll, I'm sure, have all the characters that we know and love in it. Now, how do you feel about Bo Burnham, Cole? Jeff, you know that Bo Burnham
1: is my all-time favorite stand-up comedian.
0: You love him almost as much as you love me. Sure. Um, (laughs) This, I thought, was an interesting choice. I didn't know he was a songwriter, but apparently Bo Burnham will write the new Sesame Street movie's songs. I am excited to see
1: how Bo Burnham writes for Kids, because a lot of his stuff is pretty questionable. It's the kind of stuff that a an older teenager will find funny, and and it's kind of juvenile humor sometimes. Sure, but he got his start doing just YouTube funny songs, and so he's gonna get back to his roots, write some funny songs, and you know, hopefully make them a little cleaner than he normally does.
0: You know what I would equate this to? I would equate this to uh, Jermaine Clement being hired, not Jermaine Clement, uh, Brett McKenzie being hired as the songwriter for the two most recent Muppet movies. Oh, well, yeah, he, he that's won, exactly the same. <laughs> he won an Oscar for writing Am I a Man or a Muppet. Uh, he wrote even better songs for the sequel, Muppets Most Wanted. Because
1: not all the Flight of the Concords songs are entirely the most appropriate out there. But
0: they're not filthy either, or and they don't really have a lot of profane language in them. Right. So. I'm excited to see what this—who knows? Maybe this, instead of uh, eighth grade, maybe this will be Bo Burnham's uh, claim to fame. and Put him well, on
1: everyone else's map.
0: This is what will get him the Oscar. I'm predicting it right now and here on Screen Cleaning. An
1: original song from the Sesame Street movie written and performed by Bo Burnham.
0: Why not? Amazing. Why not? Okay, I understand you've got a piece of news, but before we get to that, I want to share with you my favorite piece of news of the day— how delighted I was to click on my computer and discover that the new trailer for the Jumanji sequel had come out, and I w- I got a big smile on my face just by seeing the title, which is Jumanji: The Next Level. Now, Cole, if I I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a lot on the show here today, I'm all right with it. What would you think the premise of a sequel to Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle would look like?
1: Well, as has been previously established here on the show, screen cleaning, I've still not seen the most recent Jumanji (gasps) movie.
0: (laughs) No, that's criminal Cole. You said that last time. Oh. Cold. And then you
1: told me to watch it and then I didn't and then you forgot that I was supposed to and I just haven't brought it up for the past month
0: <laughs> flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. Cole, I'm telling you, this is one that hits you by surprise. You see the trailer, you think you know what kind of movie it's going to be. Uh and you roll your eyes, oh boy, here's Kevin Hart, and here's... And The Rock. Right. And one of them's small, and one of them's big, and they'll but have it, funny small, big interactions. It was, in 2017, when it came out at the end of the year, it was one of the most enjoyable movies of that year. And watching this trailer, again, put a it, it put a big smile on my face. I will say it looks exactly like the um, Welcome to the Jungle. It looks like it's going to be the exact same movie... However, it starts off with something that I kind of appreciate. The movie ends, you know, on this uh, touchy-feely note where you think, "Oh, these characters have finally, you know, they finally become friends, and everything's just going to be bright and peachy." Because this from was here just on another out.
1: one of these Breakfast Club band of misfits kind of fall together right. into an adventure movie.
0: But the beginning of this movie, if we if we take any put any stock into the trailer, makes it look like. You know, that's not how things are in real life. People, you know, even though in the movies it looks After, like After Don't be You friends, Forget About Me plays, everyone inevitably right. actually does forget about each other. Right. And so you have the character, the I don't know the name of the actor, but it's the character that goes up in the game is played by the rock, right? The nerd kid. He it it almost looks like he kind of misses this life that he had in the video game version. Where he was the rock, you know, who wouldn't want to be this big, giant, buff, charming guy that everybody loves, right? Yeah. And maybe it looks like this girl that he hooks up with at the end of Welcome to the Jungle that maybe didn't work out. And so he it shows him fixing the game so that he can go back into this universe. Mm. And so it almost looks like a rescue mission where all these other characters are coming back and rescuing him. But here's the twist, Cole. You think, okay, we're going to have Kevin Hart again as this tiny version of this jock, Uh or we're going to have Dwayne the Rock Johnson as this nerdy kid. Can I guess what the twist is? Yes. Because
1: about halfway through explaining this, I'm picturing a Farscape kind of thing where they used to like switch bodies all the time. I'm guessing when they go into the game this time, they uh, don't match up the avatars from the last one.
0: Right. And I'm not going to spoil anything because you, I mean, I will, I, let's just say there are some additional characters, Ooh. some old men characters, I won't say who the actors are, that play into the equation. So let me just say, even though maybe in Welcome to the Jungle you had Jack Black who was playing this teenage girl, you might not have Jack Black playing a teenage girl in this version. Okay. You will laugh. And, Cole, you will go back and watch Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle.
1: This is the second time the challenge has been presented to me here on the show. It's this weekend, maybe I
0: will. It's, it's the fourth, fourth of July, of July weekend. weekend. You've got time. Of, yeah. And, I mean, speaking of time, it sounds like maybe we're running out of time to catch some of the movies that were in our queue on Netflix all this time. But then maybe some others that finally we do have time to watch.
1: Yeah, This week, there's no big new releases other than Spider-Man that came out earlier in the week. And we reviewed last week on Screen Cleaning if you want to go back and check that out. But we do want to mention what's new to Netflix this month. At the beginning of every month, they kind of switch around their roster. You did lose some, but you gain others. And to me, speaking of Spider-Man coming out this weekend, the biggest gain to Netflix in July is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse.
0: Absolutely. That's a great movie.
1: Oh, it was fantastic. Miles Morales of Spider-Man and many different Peter Parkers. If you're confused about what the trailers to Spider-Man Far From Home mean and the implications of how the multiverse might come to the MCU, go back and watch uh, Into the Spider-Verse where the multiverse
0: is right there in front of you. So anything else just last minute here that – we should watch before it leaves, or that we should put at the top of our queue if it's just getting there?
1: Well, I'm pretty sure at the top of everyone's queue this 4th of July weekend is some little
0: Netflix show. Mm. No one's
1: probably even heard of it what anymore. Could it be?
0: That sounds familiar.
1: We've only been looking forward to it for a year and a half,
0: uh-huh. or two
1: years, or whatever it's been.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. So,
1: it came out on July 4th. We want to give everyone a chance to catch up. No spoilers here, folks, but watch Stranger Things, of course.
0: I mean, my family is looking forward to this so much that we had to put it on the agenda for our family reunion. We just got back (laughs) and uh, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. (laughs)
1: Other just movies that you'll see to Netflix, not Netflix originals per se, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Cloverfield, Paul Blart Mall Cop. Uh, That's another one
0: that surprised me, by the way. Paul Blart Mall Cop. I laughed a lot in that movie. Another
1: movie Jeff I know laughed a lot at that will be on Netflix is Megamind. (gasps) And also on July 9th, something to look forward to a little bit, we have Mary Poppins Returns (gasps) coming to Netflix. Oh, wait.
0: I own that one.
1: Just when you think (laughs) there's no more Disney coming to Netflix and they're getting ready for Disney Plus, they surprise you, and Mary Poppins Returns will be coming on July 9th.
0: Oh, man. I don't even need to go anywhere this Fourth of July weekend. I'll peek my head out, you know, briefly when the fireworks are going off, but then I'll get back to Mary Poppins Returns, I think.
1: But folks normally do go to the movies this weekend, and that's what we want to talk about when we get back some of the biggest movies to release over this very American and movie-based holiday.
0: That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Step by day by day, we The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice we will not go quietly into the night,
1: we will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day.
0: Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. If you're like Cole and I, it's the odds are pretty good that you're going to be going to the movies this 4th of July weekend, among and other things. And every
1: 4th of July weekend. Right.
0: You might have your barbecue, your family reunion, your fireworks, but odds are you're going to find some time to watch a movie in there. And... Over the years, movie companies have – or production companies and and all these marketing companies have strategically placed movies to come out over the 4th of July weekend because they know they can get your money, right? And if you look at the numbers here, they're they're right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, some movies that maybe wouldn't normally have made this much money did because – Everyone was looking for something to do.
0: So it's not uncommon for the big franchise movies, the big tentpole movies to come out over this 4th of July weekend. We wanted to take a moment to focus on some of those 4th of July weekend movies. Which ones have made the most over the weekend and which ones have gone on to make the most out of that batch? So, Cole, what is the number one... The highest grossing weekend for 4th of July. Just
1: shy of $100 million, and maybe this will change after Spider-Man gets its full chance.
0: Definitely, I'm predicting it will.
1: But Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon, with $97 million over the 4th of July weekend, is leading the pack.
0: Wow. Did you see Transformers, Dark of the Moon? Um
1: trying to remember which Transformers it was, I don't believe I saw that one in theaters. I thought you'd seen
0: every one of these movies. Cole.
1: I mean, I've seen them all by now, mm. but I think I only saw the first two and then Bumblebee in theaters.
0: Okay, but I'm guessing Transformers Dark of the Moon did not make the most money of movies released over Fourth of July weekend, right?
1: I mean, it's total gross once it's all said and done. It was still pretty decent. It's third out of the entire batch, but Spider-Man 2 is actually the one that when all was said and done was the highest grossing earner of any movie released initially for the 4th of July weekend. With how much again? It totaled $373 million, and that was back in 'o years ago. And 15 so we could inflate yeah. that a bit if you wanted.
0: Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up Spider-Man 2 because as we mentioned some of these movies, we're going to share some of the experiences that we had watching them or maybe in this case not watching them over the years Ooh. because this came out during a time when I was living in Russia for two years. And I was not watching any t v any movies, but when I was coming home from Russia, this was one of the movies that they showed on the airplane and even then, I didn't watch it because I was still getting used to you know not watching movies to watching movies and so I peeked up every once in a while but i i it was years and it was years later that I saw this movie, and uh yeah, it was just kind of a weird experience to kind of watch it but not watch it and feel like I couldn't watch it. But I'm sure you saw this movie when it came out, Cole.
1: I absolutely did. And I remember loving every second of it. My specific memory with Spider-Man 2 was actually the video game that came along with it. The Spider-Man 2 video game was the very first open world game that I played where you don't really have to do the missions. They're cool. But if you want, you can just Pop in the disc and swing
0: around New York City to your heart's content. Oh, that's kind of cool. So I'm just going down this list and I'm seeing a couple of other films that I had experiences with. I, I mentioned that I just got back from a family reunion and one of these films I saw during a family reunion And it wasn't Transformers 3, but it was the original Transformers that came out back in 2007. That one's number five on the weekend gross with $70 million. And And you were a few of those. We were up (laughs) at a family camp, and I somehow convinced all of the guys in my family to travel down the mountain, to go to a movie theater to watch this movie. And you could just tell throughout the movie i was getting all sorts of dirty looks from my brothers my dad my in-laws of i cannot believe you dragged me to see transformers we all hated this film we thought it was such a waste of time and money and we could have been up back up with the family doing all this fun stuff and You never like to be the guy that recommends something and then find out that nobody liked it. And that was my experience watching Transformers is that I just got a bunch of uh, blaming for dragging everybody to see this film. Also, to step into the
1: time machine for a second, the weekend before that in 2007 was when Ratatouille came out. (gasps) So you could have taken your family to a a beloved Pixar movie and instead – you chose the big budget Hasbro toy based uh, smash em up Michael Bay explosion movie.
0: Not only have we established on this show that Cole likes to fly beneath the radar, but he also likes to uh, give you a little lemon juice on your paper cut there.
1: But all the trans—it's <laughs> interesting how we mentioned Transformers 1 and 3. Transformers 2 kind of came out the last weekend in June, and so it counts, too. And it's interesting how these studios kind of realize that they can, you know, in their cynical, money-grabby kind of ways— Force a family tradition. Very recently, you know, the Star Wars movies have made it so that they release around Christmas time every year. And so go gather all your family together to go see Star Wars. There are plenty of horror franchises that do this around Halloween. And Fourth of July does this too. Transformers tries to release theirs around the same time. We've mentioned one Spider Man movie, The Amazing Spider Man, also released in the Fourth of July weekend Mm. when it came out. And now we have a third different actor. Um, putting a Spider-Man movie right here on 4th of July.
0: And The Amazing Spider-Man was number nine on this list with a, an opening of $62 million.
1: And grossed 200 more million during the course of its entire run. Those yeah. Spider-Man movies always do good, even if they're not the best quality movies, yeah. which I think Amazing Spider-Man is, is pretty down there.
0: You know, it's funny because in October, November, December, we we start talking about these Oscar bait movies, right? These movies that were manufactured to win Oscars, right?
1: But in the summer, we can be just as cynical and talk about movies manufactured to make money.
0: Right. And They're
1: blockbuster bait.
0: Yeah, a blockbuster bait. And there's one of these movies on here. It's, it's only number 19. It made $36 million opening weekend. It came out in 1998. This is one that I remember more than most movies was manufactured to just be a blockbuster. And that came uh, with Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler with Armageddon. You know, this was back... Uh, In the the 90s, when we were constantly getting movies where it was end of the world, and we're going to talk about another one here in just a minute, Mm -hmm. but this was a very big deal. I remember going to AMC Fullerton, and they had all of their staff members out in the courtyard that were selling Armageddon themed hot dogs and Armageddon themed popcorn. <laughs> they had brought all of their concessions out to the courtyard. They were putting all of their resources behind this big release. And then it ended up only making thirty six million dollars over the weekend, which in nineteen ninety eight would is a lot bigger than it is now, right? I mean, now unless you have an opening weekend of a hundred million, then it's considered kind of a disappointment, right? But uh, yeah, Armageddon was one that I remember being manufactured to make a lot of money and then it didn't make as much as they hoped it would. But that $36 million did pale in comparison
1: to the movie that came out two years previous over Independence Day weekend mm-hmm. that Armageddon was trying to copy the strategy from, of course, Will Smith's led Independence Day.
0: Will Smith is probably the number one reason why Cole and I are even having this discussion right now. Mm -hmm. Because in those mid to late 90s, that's what you had to look forward to every year at Fourth of July weekend was a Will Smith blockbuster movie, right? Yes.
1: Since then, franchises have kind of taken over. But Will Smith was his own franchise when it came to the Fourth of July weekend. He had Independence Day in 96, the next year Men in Black in 97
0: two years later he had wild wild west then in 2002 he had men in black too and then in 2008 he had hancock and we'd like to spend a minute just to talk about each of these but i mean independence day fourth of july weekend will smith jeff goldblum bill pullman that trifecta man what a movie
1: And it is just the most—we want to talk about what this weekend means to patriotic movies a little bit later as well, but this is kind of the paradigm of that where you combine the blockbuster bait and the big action and the funny quipping of Will Smith with the thing that we're all uniting over over the weekend anyway, and that's our country. And seeing Bill Pullman's speech as the president, getting everyone to come together at the end— it's all the perfect storm. It's fantastic.
0: This movie was out at a much more exciting time to go to the movies because nowadays, at least where we're from, Cole, there's really no surprise if a movie's going to sell out because, you know, you go online to buy your ticket and you can see – you have to reserve your ticket and you can see how many people have already bought a ticket. But back then, you had to go to the movie theater and you would see up on the marquee which movie was sold out at for what time. And I remember going into this movie theater, and I think it was here in Utah. It was absolutely packed. Every seat was taken. Everybody was so excited to be there. And nobody wanted to leave in the middle of the movie to go get the refill on the popcorn you had to sit there for the whole thing, and I loved every minute of it as a, let's see, in or 1996, I would have been a 13-year-old boy, the perfect age to see this movie.
1: Absolutely. And the very next year came, I think, my favorite Will Smith movie, and it was really? Men in Black. Seeing him teamed up with Tommy Lee Jones, being introduced to this whole new world. They, they do that a little bit with the team up uh, between him and Jeff Goldblum, but I think it works even better in Men in Black because you just got Will Smith- you know riffing and doing his thing while being introduced to the craziest thing of all
0: and that's funny aliens as
1: opposed to serious world beating aliens
0: this movie was quite a surprise for a lot of people i think you know i i think people these days especially seem to shy away from this type of movie but when it came out in 1996 it was such a unique concept you know with the what are those things called where they make you forget Neuralizer. The, the Neuralizer and the cool soundtrack? And like you said, what a great pairing of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones to juxtapose Will Smith's quippiness and the wacky one liners to Tommy Lee Jones just being totally deadpan book and, and mm. just just as funny as Will Smith, but in a totally different way. Yeah. I... And so the biggest surprise to me wasn't that that movie
1: was good, but it was how bad men in black 2 ended up being
0: men in black 2 by far and i include the newest uh version of men in black in this i think the worst men in black 2 the worst of the four men in black movies
1: 98 percent too much johnny knoxville in that movie too much like weird cgi it's like in 2002 they realized how much they thought they could do and they thought all of that cgi worked uh better than it did
0: yeah and then things just did not – they continue to go downhill from here. As much as I did not like Men in Black 2, I actually liked it a whole lot more than Wild Wild West in 1999.
1: Yeah, that's a movie. It's, <laughs> that
0: is, Cole, truer words have never been said. That is a movie. <laughs> if you like
1: Will Smith, you can sit through that movie and it won't be too painful. That's my personal experience. But even I can admit that Wild Wild West is – Pretty terrible.
0: Another movie where they kind of banked on Will Smith's uh, abilities as a performer and musician because they basically took uh, Stevie a Stevie Wonder song and then turned it into a hip hop. Yeah, right. And I love the story, and you can go look it up on YouTube. But uh, Patton Oswalt is a stand-up comedian. You mentioned Ratatouille; he was the main voice in that, mm-hmm. but uh, he's also an amazing storyteller. Anytime I any chance I get to watch him on Conan, I will take because he he can take the most mundane things and just beautifully paint them and color them and just make them entertaining. And he shared an experience where he was hired to be a writer for the MTV movie awards the year that Wild Wild West oh, was out. Oh yeah. And Will Smith was hired to come and perform Wild Wild, 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 West, Wild West. Live in front of this audience, right? And he talked about Will Smith showing up with this entire entourage of people who were kind of like these really slobby people. They were just his friends who were there hanging out, and they were, like, stealing all these things from the production and just, you know, leeching off of everybody and just being totally inconsiderate. And he talked about the cost of the production— being $4 million. And Patton Oswalt has been in a few independent films, and he said, you could have made about 10 independent films for the cost of this four-minute Wild Wild West live production. And you got to go listen to it because it's so funny, and it really puts things into perspective, too. My personal favorite Wild
1: Wild West story is how the producer was just begging to use the giant mechanical spider and had originally planned to use it in a Superman movie. Superman Returns, by the way, pops Hmm. up on the Independence Day list of movies released. He wanted to use this mechanical spider in like five or six other movies that came before Wild Wild West. And finally, he just turned... And it seems like it fits now because it's the steampunk thing that goes in that universe. But really, the mechanical spider came first Will Smith's quipping and dialogue came second. And then the actual plot and story came third, which is really not the map of how you should write a movie.
0: Right. Follow the instructions, people. Go in order. And then, of course, in 2008, we got Hancock, the trailer that I think most people – the people were most excited about for 2008, maybe with the exception of The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. But uh, this is a movie people were so psyched about. Different kind of superhero here. This is number eight on the 4th of July weekend. It made $62 million opening weekend and then overall made $227 million. Um, This is one of those films that starts off so great. You have this reluctant hero... What 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 would happen Cole if you gave some guy superpowers but it's not a guy that should really have these superpowers. He's He'd not an evil use them to his own benefit. He's not even a, an evil genius, he's just kind of a lazy bum, right? And then halfway through the movie, you got to throw in some nonsense twist in the plot that is really that just completely derails the movie?
1: The fates are involved, oh. and it's a thousand-year-old love story, million-year-old love story, or whatever it is.
0: It's it's bad. It's just yeah. bad. Yeah. There were Will a Smith is still of,
1: funny. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I think we're still waiting for the return of Will Smith over the Fourth of July weekend, Cole. And uh, when we return, we're actually going to continue on the discussion by giving you some of our favorite movies to come out over the 4th of July weekend, as well as uh, point you in the direction of some of the patriotic films that have come out over 4th of July weekend that maybe you could revisit again this year. That's up next on Screen Cleaning.
1: When i roll into the wild, wild West, when i into the wild, wild West, when i it's cold.
0: Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. Today on the show, we are talking 4th of July weekend at the movies. Not just this year, but all the years ever. All the big blockbuster movies that marketers and movie studios have strategically placed to get those hard-earned dollars over the 4th of July weekend.
1: And only slightly less cynically, the patriotic kind of 4th of July American movies that came out there as well.
0: Right. So we mentioned a number of these movies, and we are going. We were looking at a list of the top 30 uh, 4th of July openers, and we mentioned Transformers Dark of the Moon is at the top of that list, and we mentioned some of the others. But uh, one outlier that I would like to mention, Cole, that's not even in the top 30 and did not make as much money as all of these other movies. However, I believe this franchise and this movie especially has really and will continue to outlive the legacy of all of these other movies. And I'm talking about 1985's. Back to the Future. You may not have known that it came out over Fourth of July weekend back in 1985.
1: Yeah, movie releases were a little bit different back in the 80s. It it only released to about a 1,000 theaters at the time, but wow. then it just stayed in the theaters the entire rest of the summer and made a ton of money because it's an amazing film.
0: Right. The options were to go see it in the movie theater for six months or to wait a year for it to come out on video and just Rent it and watch it over and over and over again until the VHS doesn't work anymore. That's how things worked back then. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Back to the Future certainly is better than any of these films, and I think we'll still be talking about it thirty years from now. It's been it it came out almost thirty five years ago, Cole. Wow. It's amazing. So that's one of the outliers. But uh, we wanted to take a minute here to talk about some of our favorites, some of our least favorites. And I, I'm i just going to be up front and say that we've already mentioned my favorites from the list, Cole. And that would be the back-to-back years of 96 and 97 with Independence Day and Men in Black. Sometimes I don't know if I can... They made about the same amount of money almost the same year, and... Uh, I just don't know if I can pick between the two which one I like better.
1: That's all right. I won't make you. We can say Will Smith for those two years is your favorite.
0: Absolutely. We also
1: kind of mentioned my favorite is still Spider-Man 2 of movies that have been released here. It was my favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, until Into the Spider-Verse, and that was amazing, and then until Far From Home, because that was amazing also. Um, I love that hero, and I just I enjoy that movie a lot as well.
0: Yeah. Now, I could continue to pick on Illumination and talk about Despicable Me 3. Um, I'm not going to. I think I've done enough of that on previous episodes. I will say I'm going to have to go with Hancock as my least favorite in 2008, Whoa. just because... My favorites are Will Smith, so you would think it would continue to be so throughout the years, but I just feel like everybody involved should have known better that it was not a great movie, and uh, just so disappointing. So I'm sorry, Will Smith. I'm still waiting for your return over the Fourth of July weekend.
1: You told stories about dragging people to see Transformers. I didn't have to drag anyone with me, but my friends and I were so excited when The Last Airbender came out over 4th of July weekend back in 2010. We saw it in 3D. It's probably the most I've ever spent on a movie in my life other than to see the other Avatar that had released right around that same time, but with blue people, not the little bald Asian kid. And... The Last Airbender was just such a disappointment to anyone that had watched the cartoon growing up on Nickelodeon. Um, Very clever, very funny and very heartfelt cartoon that turned into a very, very bland M. Night Shyamalan movie.
0: All right. Now, we wanted to talk about some of the more patriotic themed Fourth of July movies that have come out. We've already mentioned Independence Independence Day. Day. And I think one thing that people remember the most about this film is that great rousing speech that – President Bill Pullman gives later on in the movie that I think would inspire anybody to go get up and fight for your country. Right, Cole?
1: Fly into the mouth of an alien's ship coming at you.
0: But what are some of the other patriotic-themed movies that we have on this list here?
1: How about The Patriot with Mel Gibson coming out?
0: Oh, yeah. The Fourth
1: of July weekend, telling the story of a different kind of America that was at stake, but Equally important.
0: I never saw this next one, but there's also Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde, and uh, one little story I love hearing about the Legally Blonde movies is again another movie I didn't see, Old School, with Vince Vaughn, Luke Wilson, and Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, Luke Wilson was in the Legally Blonde movies, and Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell liked to tease Luke Wilson for being in those movies. And they called them Legally Bland. Um, Did you see Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde? I've seen the
1: first one. I guess I need to go back and watch the second
0: one. Well, you're not a patriot, I guess. I guess I'm not a patriot either because we've never seen Legally Blonde 2.
1: And in a more serious take on the American flag and trying to travel to space, Apollo 13 was released over this weekend.
0: Absolutely. And we mentioned that we limited this list to the top 30 grocers. Apollo 13 is the only film on this list, Cole, that was nominated for Best Picture. And that was a a nomination well-deserved. It's a movie that is much quoted, much beloved, and really one that is worth revisiting every once in a while, even though I feel like uh, a fatal flaw of movies like this is not only do you go into the movie knowing knowing what the outcome of the movie is— You just, it does. These movies don't typically warrant repeat viewing because of that factor, you know. But the acting is so good. The casting is amazing. It's well written and it's well directed. And it it really is something that uh, it, it hits, it pulls on people's heartstrings a lot, especially if you grew up. In the '60s and the you know the, the late '50s and the early '60s, when Americans were trying to beat the Russians and everything, and especially the trip to the moon, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Apollo
1: thirteen came out. I, I watched it before I was familiar with any of the stories or of which Apollos did which, and so I learned about. A lot of space travel and that story from the 60s from the movies, movies like Apollo 13, recently Apollo 11 and Hidden Figures. These are what kind of shaped my ideas of what the moon landing in the space race really was.
0: Yeah. Um, another one, if you really you talked about horror movies, I wouldn't recommend this, nor have I seen it. But there is. The Purge election year. The third Purge movie (laughs) did
1: come out over 4th of July weekend.
0: And it made uh, $31 million over the weekend, and it went on to make $79 million, which compared to some of these other movies does not seem like a lot. But horror movies are incredibly cheap to produce And you're pretty much guaranteed a return on your investment if you make a horror movie and release it. That's about all it takes.
1: It's actual profit was probably even better than some of the big action movies that are so known for coming out over that weekend. Finally, I'd like to mention what's more American than baseball. Did you (gasps) know A League of Their Own came out over the 4th of July weekend also? Oh, that's exciting. Speaking of, of course, Tom Hanks.
0: Well, Cole, I feel a little more patriotic talking about these big movies that have been released over the Fourth of July weekend. Of course, we do want to encourage you to get out there and to engage with other people, to go to those fireworks displays, to um, you know share stories about uh, our great country and the, the many sacrifices that have been made over the years so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we have today. All those things are good, and just spend time with your family. Even if you do nothing more than go to the movies with them. Very nice. When we return, it's no secret that on the show this summer, Cole and I are going to be keeping a very close eye on the box office because we've made a little wager with each other, a friendly wager. And then, of course, we'll end things off by doing a little panning for good. That's up next. Ah, yes. Speaking of comfort food, that is the comfort food of music as we turn to our summer movie blockbuster scorecard here, Cole. And uh, things aren't looking so great, but that song makes me feel a little bit better about myself. The music's happy, but our
1: results for the summer have not been. (laughs) Every single week we update you on how poorly we predicted which movies would make a lot of money here domestically for the summer
0: the good news for my list is that will smith's aladdin is doing quite well but probably a little too well for cole's list and uh and speaking of will smith and doing well cole you found out an interesting fact
1: the man that has owned the fourth of july is also owning this summer and internationally aladdin has most recently become will smith's biggest box office earner of his entire career
0: wow good for you will smith you deserve it
1: There's some inflation at play here. A lot of times recent movies do break these records a little easier, but it's worth noting that Aladdin has been such a, I mean, I would call it a surprise. I predicted it only being the eighth best movie of the summer. It sits very prettily at number one, topping a 300 million gross uh, here domestically.
0: Okay, well, that I'm predicting and I'm still hopeful that that's going to change because Toy Story 4 is just inching its way ever closer to it. Hot on its heels. After just two weeks, it's sitting at
1: 236 million. It could overtake Aladdin. Um, after after we get the reports from a long 4th of July weekend. And speaking of the long 4th of July weekend, Spider-Man, the big release of the weekend, where will it debut and how will it hold as it runs up against a pretty tough July with Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw coming out and Lion King and a few others.
0: And, you know, this movie is not a part of our summer movie blockbuster scorecard because it came out prior to the summer, but... It's no secret. Avengers: Endgame re-released the film with some additional footage, and uh, hoping that it could crush that Avatar world worldwide record. At
1: least, just creep past it. Yeah, they they just need to get a dollar more,
0: and they made about five and a half million additional dollars here domestically, and. Gosh, I I think they're going to have to wait a little while and then re-release it because
1: re re re-release
0: right because as of now uh, it's just not going to happen, folks. And then as soon as, of course, now that Disney
1: owns both, as soon as Avengers passes, Disney can just re 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 re-release re, uh, Avatar and pass it back <laughs> up, and they'll just have a little uh, spit and match at the top.
0: Right. This makes me think of a uh, of a line from Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. When the final winner has been announced and Charlie was not one of the winners and the reporter on TV says, now we must remember, folks, that there are many more important things, many more important things. Now, offhand, I can't think of what they are, but I'm sure there must be something. (laughs) One of the great lines from that movie that you don't really pick up as a kid, but when you're an adult, you just laugh all over again. Anyway, so that's another look at the uh, the summer movie scorecard that Cole and I are are anxiously awaiting to the end of the summer to see who's going to owe whom what. And I'm hoping that I'm going to be on the receiving end of that buttery, giant, Bucket of popcorn. We
1: should take a look um, before, sometime before the end of the summer at what movies are releasing at the end of August and beginning of September to see what we're going to go see together so that I can inevitably buy you the popcorn that it looks like you're going to win.
0: Well, if it's going to be Hobbs and Shaw, which does come out in August, then I'm going to have to catch up because I've only seen part one of the Fast and Furious franchise.
1: You've seen half of one movie.
0: No, I've seen the Fast and the Furious and I've seen half of... Fast five. Oh, okay. So there you go. So
1: you're one and a half out of eight. What's that fraction off the top of your head?
0: If I were a baseball player, that would be horrible. Correct. Yeah. Anyway, um what we like to do now is at the end of each and every show, we like to do a little panning for good. There's good in them there whoo! <laughs> Panning for Good is the segment in which we try to look a little harder to find something that is of good report, we shall say. And I'm going to mention elements uh, that make up this movie that I love so much. We talked briefly about Despicable Me and Despicable Me franchises. Um, And, in fact, if you look at this list that we referenced earlier, Despicable Me 2 had the third-highest-grossing Fourth of July opening ever. Despicable Me had the fourth-highest. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Steve Carell. I don't love these movies as much, but I do love Steve Carell. You know what else I love, Cole? What? Romantic comedies. Uh, You know what else I love, Cole? What? What? Family gatherings and reunions. I just mentioned that I just got back from one recently. Mm-hmm. And take all of those things and put them together and you've got Dan in real life. Aww. This is a movie that I was a little saddened that it didn't do better than it did. Steve, this was during a time when Steve Carell and you know, still to this day he does quite well at the box office – But this movie didn't make as much money as I thought. And it's a shame because as far as Steve Carell movies go that aren't animated, it's actually quite clean. It's PG-13, and it's about this widower who has these three young daughters. They're kind of teenage age, and he is this columnist for this, you know, this self-help columnist guy that, you know, in all of these movies... He could do a lot better in his own life if he would take his own advice. You know, one of those right. type of things, right?
1: Classic romantic comedy device.
0: And he goes to a family reunion, takes his three daughters, who are upset with him for various reasons, and he, uh, on the way to the reunion, he meets up with this very charming French woman in a bookshop, and they kind of hit it off. And at the end of their little get-together, they uh, exchange numbers, and they say goodbye to each other. And his character is just on cloud nine. He's met this woman that he just really hit it off with. They talked with each other for what seemed like hours. And he goes to meet up with his family at the family reunion. And lo and behold, his brother introduces him to his brand-new girlfriend, who just so happens to be this French woman that Steve Carell's character just hit it off with at this bookshop. And awkwardness ensues for the entire weekend, but only in the best way possible. What's so great about this film, Cole, is it was so well cast. It was shot on location, which means... The actors got to basically sleep in close proximity to each other and shoot at this house. So it was almost like they were bonding so much that you felt like you were watching an actual family reunion taking place. These people just had such great chemistry. And uh, what's funny is uh, one of the other family members is Amy Ryan. From The Office, the character that Steve Carell's Michael Scott ends up marrying later on. So there is that little bit of trivia there. But another really great thing about this film, Cole, is that my mom is so cute. She, in her mind, she's always wanted like the picturesque picture picture perfect family reunion and there are things in this movie that you see that you wish oh i wish my family would do that mm-hmm. and she the reason her reasoning for loving this movie was because the the itinerary of this family family reunion was just so well thought out everything was was so charming she wanted our family to have a family reunion that picturesque and that perfect And uh, I think we may have given it to her this last year when we treated my parents to their 50th wedding anniversary party and then the subsequent cruise. Whoa. Yeah, and you've got to check out this movie. It came out right around the time that I was courting my now wife. So, of course, it means so much to me, and Mm -hmm. it's got that sentimental value to me, but it's just a funny, charming lovely romantic comedy that's going to make you laugh, it's going to make you cry, and it's going to make you want to have the best 4th of July reunion you've ever had. And we really wish that for all of you listening right now, to just spend time with family, loved ones, friends, neighbors. If you can't get together with your family, shoot off those fireworks, get together for the barbecue, go see a movie together, and just enjoy spending time with those around you. And uh, that's really what the 4th of July weekend has become. Obviously, we need to be grateful for this wonderful country that we live in, which is America, and the wonderful freedoms that we enjoy. But do all of that with someone you love. Isn't that right, Cole? Absolutely. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. And we're here, like we said, each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. And uh, come back next week. You can find us on byuradio.org or you can download the podcast wherever you get them until next time.